This summer, your local movie theater transforms into a tent revival for sharing Jesus. Join Believers Nationwide for the Million Souls Campaign, inviting unsaved loved ones to experience The Firing Squad, a new evangelistic movie starring Kevin Sorbo and Cuba Gooding Jr. Witness the true story that made worldwide headlines, American prisoners discovering faith in Christ while awaiting execution for their crimes in a third world country, transforming their lives and the entire prison in the process. After the movie and before the credits roll, Kevin Sorbo will come on the screen to lead the entire theater in a prayer to commit one's life to Jesus Christ. Visit FiringSquadFilm.com and learn how to get free tickets and more for your unsaved loved ones and become part of this unique event. Bring friends, family, and your faith. Learn more at FiringSquadFilm.com. That's FiringSquadFilm.com. Hey, today was a fun, fun ride, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, it's going to be fun. I've, well, yeah. it's a fun ride to the top of a building where you will then jump off. Uh, no, today is a really important show. In fact, I would listen to the first two hours if you have the time uh, because we talk about something. Bank of America just announced that we are, um, how do they say it? Most likely, no. In the best case scenario, wasn't that it? Yeah, uh, well, at the, at the very least. least at yes. the very mm-hmm. least. We are headed towards transitory, transitory hyperinflation. Wow. Mm. Oh. Well, it's transitory, so that's no big deal. No. I mean, nice, it's just nice kind of goes. You know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, we explain that and what it means and how the government is literally taking your pension and giving it to the Federal Reserve. But yeah, it's uh, about to happen. It's already law. We tell you about it. And also what to do about it. How can you prepare yeah. for it? That's a big part as well. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to Blaze TV, blazetv.com slash Glenn. Promo code is Glenn. You'll save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. And while you're here on your podcast app, click subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, as well as Stu Does America, oh which has God. new episodes as well Always every single day. Always uh, I mean, I'm on the show too. Right. Here's the podcast. The best of the Glenn Beck program. This is the Glenn Beck program. Welcome to Tuesday. Today's broadcast we have uh, primarily dedicated to um, preparedness for economic tough times. Now, uh, Bank of America has issued a report that said at the very uh, at the very least. Transitory hyperinflation is coming. Okay, so let's just take them at their word. Not me, not anybody else, not any crazy Yahoo like me saying this. This is Bank of America. Uh, Let's take them at their word. How do you prepare? There's lots of different ways, but you have to start thinking like uh, Germans did in the 1930s. There's a great book. I can't remember the name of it. I'll try to find it here before the end of the hour. But there's a great book out. It was a diary of a guy from Germany. Uh, and he he just wrote the, you know, the daily goings on. And it is phenomenal. He said one week, none of us had any idea what hyperinflation meant. The next week, everyone knew what it meant. And the smart people, uh, I should say half smart people, Smart people uh, went and they bought as much as they possibly could early on. So their family was stabled. 
The reason why I say they were half smart people is because they told people. And then, of course, when there's real uh, scarcity and you appear to have more than others, they come for you. So everything I am telling you today, uh, I would keep it to yourself. I would keep it to yourself. Just so you know, I'm not doing any of these things. I'm wildly unprepared. Uh, so, so the first thing, if you have zero money, I mean, you have nothing. What job are you doing and how valuable will it be in a bad, chaotic situation? Me? I only have my body to offer and no one's paying me to have sex. <laughs> I'm steak. Okay. Very marbled steak. And I know that it, it will be, it will, my job will be so short lived. I will be, you know, everybody will be working and doing everything and I'll be, I could tell you guys a story. Would you guys like to hear a story? No value in that. Okay, in Mad Max, did you see the storyteller? No, they ate him early on. All right. So what skill do you have? If your skill is not good in a in a, you know, a, a bad situation, you might want to look at your hobbies. What are your hobbies? Again, the hobby that I'm starting to really be good at now is painting. Nothing. Nothing. No one's going to say, hey, you want to paint a picture for me while we all starve to death or working out here plowing just for a stinking carrot? Nobody's going to want a painting. So again, I'm steak. I realize that. Don't be steak. What hobby? What can you do? Can you fix cars? Can you learn to fix cars? Do you have any kind of building experience? farming experience do you know how the land even works can you sew and repair things that that's the first thing that you have to do is you have to find the value that you can offer because if you have re i'm talking about catastrophic breakdown you need to be offering people something skill because we're all going to need to work together which brings me to my next topic. If you don't have a bug out bag, if you don't have a, a plan to go someplace, you probably should have one now. Uh, and may I highly recommend that you are in a town where it's like minded people. They are good and decent. They have farming skills. They are used to, you know, living off of the land. They are spiritual in nature. Uh, and, uh, and they also believe in the Constitution. I'd find that community. And I'd either move there or I'd have plans on moving there. Uh, the other thing you can do is build a really good reference library. For instance... Um, do you know if if the drugstore breaks down, do you know anything about medicine? Do you know anything about the plants around you that you can eat or can't eat? I'll be dead in three days. I'll be like, where's the cupcake? Where's sprinkles? Where's the cupcake store? I haven't seen a cupcake store. Where's the cupcake store? There's no cupcake stores here. So go forage for something. Ah. Uh, 
Hey, this looks yuck. <laughs> um, build a good reference library. And that includes all of the things that you should have. Every American should have all of the founding documents. All of the Americans. Think of something that is good and worthy. If you only had seven books, what would they be? Uh, then look for things. Um, can you get into communications? How will we communicate with each other? What are your communication skills? Um, do you have you know, any medical skills? Can you get any medical skills? Can you right now go get skills and don't ever tell somebody you're a doctor? Although I'm a doctor. Boy, won't that be ironic? <gasps> That's how I'll survive. I'm a doctor. He was very sick before I cut him open. Very sick. I, I didn't think he'd survive. <laughs> you, he had a heart problem. You took out his stomach. Oh, well, his stomach had to be removed. I'm telling you that right now. Uh, don't, tell you, don't tell anybody you were a police officer or a doctor. Or you'll, be, you'll be dragged into service. Now, here's something else. You are looking for things, and I'm talking about people who are the average person that doesn't have, I'm, well, I'm talking to my broker this afternoon at four o'clock. Uh, we're going to play around at nine or 12 and uh, we're, we're going to gonna talk about stocks and stuff. I'm talking about the average person. Okay. Get out of debt as much as you can. Buy something that is of value, a car, even if it's not a fancy car, just a car that works and a car you could prepare you could repair when you have nothing remember others will have nothing as well toilet paper comes to mind oh no glenn beck is he's starting a rush on toilet paper toilet paper is going to be eight dollars a sheet soon yeah it probably will be but not because i said something uh toilet paper uh razor blades painkillers, you know, over-the-counter medicines, lip balm, diapers, baby wipes, condoms, bar soap, deodorant, shampoo, all of that stuff. If things get really bad and really expensive, wait a minute, you're a farmer, you you have some corn? We haven't had anything but soap for dinner for a while. I'll trade you some soap for some corn. You're looking for things that you can trade people for. Also, I think a very good investment is ammunition. Let me say that again. Ammunition would be a very good investment. Uh, We have a couple of stories uh, on that uh, coming up. Also, uh, coffee. Alcohol. People don't think this way, but if people can't afford something... And let's say, I can't relate to this. You're an alcoholic. I need alcohol. Even if you're not an alcoholic. Right now in today's world, I need alcohol. <laughs> Lots of it. Kids, don't waste your alcoholism on years where the problems aren't that big. You're going <laughs> to need that alcohol someday. As Homer Simpson says, oh, uh, alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of the world's problems. <laughs> exactly mm-hmm. right. He's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Coffee and tea, sugar, sweets, chocolate. Think like your grandparents or your great-grandparents in the Great Depression. 
I told Stu, I mean, I told Pat, he's like, oh, good year to start a, a cookie company. And I said, actually, <laughs> cookies and chocolates and sugar will be one of the last things that people will stop buying. Because when the whole world sucks, you want something normal and you want a treat. And it could be just a bar of chocolate would be great. I, I've had his cookies, and I believe Kexi Cookie will be the last company standing in America. Yes, yeah, he, uh, he even he even has something. He's yeah. like they're coming they're coming at us, Glenn, and he's like they're coming for you, man. I'm the cookie guy. <laughs> well, you're describing here to interrupt a little bit. You're describing here a real, I mean, apocalypse type of situation here. This is not this so. is not. Hey, your prices are going up. Okay, I don't think this so. This is a world where like okay, civilization so is crumbling. Your prices are going up again. Do not tell people you're doing this. Your prices are going up. Your prices are expensive today. If you're in transitionary or no, I'm sorry, uh, uh, transitory, transitory, transitory hyperinflation, hyper mm -hmm. your price of your food, uh, your corn or whatever is going to go up. I am doing stuff on my house. I bought the stuff that I knew I was going to use. I wasn't using it to barter or anything else. I bought it right now. That's the key. Buy things that you know you're going to need and use, and you know that it might come down before you use it all, but it's better to have it than having to go buy it when it's a bottle of shampoo that used to cost you $3 is now $5 and you think might be $17. Buy it now. The things you can do is cut your spending where you can, and buy the things that you know you're going to need. If it's if it's transitory hyperinflation, great. That means things. <laughs> Try to say this with a straight face. <laughs> it means things go back to normal. Great. So try to do everything you can to cut out your expenditures for the next eight months. Buy the things that are going up. Detergents, bleaches, bleach is going to go through the roof. Um, if you're looking for anything of building a house, it's going to go through the roof. Think about what the government is spending. They're doing things for the Green New Deal. So everything in a house, everything with a grid, everything electricity, any copper is going to go through the roof. Because the government is going to spend billions buying a bunch of it. That leaves very little for you. Also, one last thing. Don't dismiss this. My grandfather taught me, you know, he lived through the Great Depression. And he said, you know, people laughed, people laughed, people laughed. He said, we didn't have the money to invest in the stock market. He said, but everybody was trying to get rich. Everybody was borrowing against things they didn't really own. Don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. The people who were rich, really rich, they were the ones that had money because they didn't play the game of let's get wealthy quickly. They just kept and they bought things when things began to fall apart. You buy things of intrinsic value. Think as un think as as unlike the average american as you possibly can think about tomorrow think about what you need tomorrow buy things when you can and store them and 
don't work on that. Don't don't pull from that storehouse until you really need to pull from it. Just keep adding to the storehouse. You buy you go grocery shopping. Just add to that. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. What is truly amazing to me is the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, President Joe Biden's signature COVID-19 relief legislation, provides billions of dollars of debt relief to socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers. But the law's definition of socially disadvantaged includes explicit racial classifications. Farmers and ranchers must be black or African-American, American Indian, Alaskan Native, Hispanic, Latino, or Asian American, or Pacific Islander. Other farmers, white farmers, are not eligible. Hmm. I've been waiting for this day for farmers to stand up and legally fight this. Adam Faust, he is uh, a farmer suing the government for loan forgiveness. Uh, He and I think four other farmers join him. He's the representative today on the program, along with the deputy counsel for the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, Dan Lennington. Dan, how are you? Good, uh, Glenn. Thanks for having me on. You bet. And Adam, how are you, sir? Doing well. Thank you. You are a uh, dairy farmer? That's correct. Can you tell me about your, your farm? Uh, yeah, I milk uh, about 70 Holstein cows, uh, farm about 200 acres of land to provide feed for those cows. Um, we're just a small, traditional stall barn dairy farm. Okay. And you've had a rough go. And I know, I, I know dairy farms have had a rough go of it for a long time now. But you've been having a rough go? Oh, absolutely. Um, Yeah, the last couple of years, the prices have been depressed. And uh, then when COVID hit, took a real toll. Okay. And you're white, so you're not disadvantaged. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. (laughs) So, So, Dan, tell me about the case. So, Glenn, we we filed this in federal court last Thursday. We filed against the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The the American Rescue Plan contains $4 billion of loan forgiveness, as you said. What that means is that if you're a farmer who has taken out a loan, uh, you're going to get 100% of that loan forgiven, plus 20% is going to be deposited directly into your bank account. So it's not uncommon for a farmer to take out a million-dollar loan for property, for commodities, for land or operating expenses. So if you were a farmer uh, who took out a million dollar loan, say in December, uh, you would get $1.2 million in return. And then you could also sell the crop that you were going to grow and make a profit off of that. This sounds like a great program, but uh, guess what? You don't get it if you're white. Uh, So that's the only requirement is that you're not white and you get the money. So, um, but it says disadvantaged and Adam I doubt Adam would call himself disadvantaged, but, uh, you know, being a double amputee uh, might not be an advantage uh, of getting up every morning and milking the cows in the stalls. 
he's not included. Uh, no, it's <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, so, Dan, who are the other farmers and what does it mean if you win or lose? Uh, the other farmers are from uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, South Dakota, Ohio. I've been on the phone with, with dozens and dozens of other farmers around the country who feel the same way. Uh, they, they don't really want any special treatment. What they want is to be treated equally. Right. So, I mean, this is really a sad chapter in our American history. Our, our country was founded on equality, right? We teach our kids that um, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, right? So in the Abraham Lincoln, again, rededicated our country to equality. Martin Luther King dedicated our country to the colorblind society. All those ideas of equality are now being swept away. This is the opening kickoff. In, in the wars of, of racism and anti-racism and critical race theory, this was the opening salvo. This is, there is more to come from the Biden administration, and you're going to be hearing this, um, this song repeated over and over that we need to do something about those white people, and we need to reverse the tables on them, which is what exactly is happening here. So, Dan, if you win, it could have far-reaching consequences, and the same if, if, you, if you lose. Right. So the U.S. Supreme Court has said in past cases that uh, the government cannot use racism to cure racism. Um, if they're going to use um, some discrimination against people, they have to have it for a very limited time. It has to be narrowly tailored. It has to be targeted to remedy past wrongs in very specific circumstances. You should think like school desegregation was a time where race was considered a factor and the government rightly desegregated schools. But when the government now uh, uses the excuse of systemic racism as their reason for doing this, um, the question is, where does it stop? What is the logical stopping point? If the government is allowed to use racism and use race discrimination to cure societal discrimination, uh, what else can they do? And the Supreme Court has rejected that. And they've said, um, you can't do that. There's no logical stopping point. And so if, if the Supreme Court backs down from that principle, uh, it's going to be a, a very long and winding road down this uh, this tunnel of critical race theory and uh, systemic racism. So, Dan, you're in Wisconsin, which amazes me. Uh, Wisconsin is a very progressive state. It's important to make sure that this goes to the right court. Uh, do you, what, what are you looking at? Who are you bringing this to? So we're bringing it to the a federal uh, judge in Wisconsin. Um, in the Green Bay Division of the Eastern District of Wisconsin. Um, we're um, going to litigate it there. Uh, we might ask the judge to put the law on hold while it gets evaluated. We think that's reasonable. Uh, there are, uh, there's another lawsuit in Texas um, that's going on. I've heard rumors that there are other law firms who are going to be getting in the mix at West. Uh, so I, I, I say, as far as the litigation strategy, the more the merrier. Um, we need to put the burden on the government to explain why race discrimination is important. Um, and uh, we need to have them put them to the test and have them explain themselves. It's we're the citizens. It's not our burden to prove that this law is, is uh, bad. They have to prove this law is right. 
they have to prove that we should retreat from the principles of equality and we should retreat from what is the foundational principle uh, that all people are created equal and we, we should be treated as individuals. Adam, that's what's lost in this. Uh, Adam, I assume you're not a suing guy. You're not one that sues everybody at the drop of a hat. Uh, no. Okay. Um, I'm pretty happy just to be here and milk my cows. Yeah. So tell me what, what made you sign up for this? What drove you to this? Um, well, from the time that I saw this all playing out and the proposal of this act, it really bothered me that there would be that the government would turn its back on its citizens and do something that's racist, which is against the fabric of our country. And as uh, time went on and didn't see anything really happening, I, I have kind of assumed that there'd be organizations that would jump on this immediately and they not see anything happening. I thought, well, somebody has to get involved and has to represent agriculture. I mean, agriculture is not as not built on a bunch of racist people. And yeah. I, how is it? I've, I've heard from a lot of people and supporting us and, thanking us for for stepping up and and trying to take care of this well adam i'm a small farmer and a small rancher myself and i thank you for it um i don't want the loan nor would i would i apply for the loan um but i have been deeply offended and so have all of the farmers around my farm uh we all feel the same way the the farming community is a tight-knit community we all help each other we don't care about your politics or anything else we help each other because we know at some point we're going to need the help and we're going to need everybody else to help us and it's a great community that does help each other and uh the division that this creates i mean you want to talk about dividing people how hard is it to divide farmers uh, i mean unless it's a unless it's a squabble over water pretty damn hard Yep. Adam, thank you. Uh, thank you so much. And Dan, when does this go to court? Well, the United States uh, has uh, a few weeks in which to respond to this. And, and uh, as I said, in the meantime, we may have to ask the, the judge to put this law on hold um, before the, the money starts uh, going out. And do you have the money to fight the United States government on this? We are a nonprofit law firm in Wisconsin, Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, and we uh, exist purely on the kindness of others and donations. And, and uh, anybody who wants more information can go to our website at will-law.org. W-I-L-L-law.org? Yes. Okay. Will-law.org. Thank you so much, Dan. Best of luck to you and your team. Adam, God bless you, man. Keep milking those cows. Appreciate it. You bet. Bye-bye. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Tomorrow night on theblazetv.com, blazetv.com, I'm going to debunk the three big lies about systematic racism. When the left talks about systematic racism, they conveniently 
leave out a few things. And one of those few things is the uh, willingness to include Asian Americans from that. Asian Americans are so uh, overlooked and and they they are um, they are they're said to overperform. Uh, they uh, don't represent any real any real minority. Uh, and that's why they're uh, excluded from many Ivy League schools now, because there's just too many of them and they do too well. Oh, and now all of, of course, the uh, the hatred uh, of Asians, which honestly, I don't even understand. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest and, you know, we had Asians were our neighbors and friends and I don't even understand it. But uh, I guess that's uh, that's going on. Yukon uh, Zhao is with us now. He is the co-founder and president of Asian American Coalition for Education. And we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the discrimination against Asians. Um, you actually sent a letter to the attorney general criticizing the Biden administration and their approach on fighting against anti-Asian violence and hate crimes. Did you not? Uh, yes. Uh, Glenn, thank you for having me. Sure. Yeah, I, on April 6th, on behalf of the American Coalition for Education, I sent a letter to U.S. Attorney General Garland because the three, the three reasons. First, the data and facts point out over majority of the violent attack on Asian Americans were reported in states that either reduced funding for police or released many violent criminal irresponsibly during the COVID-19 pandemic, such as New York, California. But in the, in the states who voted for President Trump, like uh, Texas and uh, Florida, there was very little reporting. So actually, the primary reason is the early release of violent wow. criminals on the street. So but the Biden administration, they put a wrong blame to like a President Trump to the white supremacist. That so is the number one. Yeah. I, would, I would love to just blindly go with you because you're saying what I like to hear. But do you have anything to back up the, the fact that these crimes are not being reported in in Florida and in Texas, but in California and New York and the connection to the release of violent pris prisoners? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, in Washington, uh, in New York Post uh, on April the 10th, another Chinese American called uh, Wai Wao Qin, she published an article, she documented from end of February to end of the March, about six uh, like uh, incident, virtuous attack on Asian American. All of them were like people of color, were of violence. You know, some of really release early release of the like criminals. Example: a 65 years old Filipino in Middletown was attacked on April 6th, right? And that person actually was a criminal being early released. He was put into like a Marriott, some downtown, you know, hotel. Uh. Democratic mayor treated him very well. But this guy attacked, you know, he murdered his mother many years ago, but he was early released. So that's a lot of data. I also listened to another like Department of Justice uh, seminar. 
like in South Florida, in over the last few years, you know, that was only one hate crime against Asian. That happened before President Trump. You know, there was no other like, uh, you know, uh. hate crime in South Florida, huh. uh, like the U.S. Attorney's Office in South Florida. This is a huge contrast. Tell me about you. You asked for the politicians and the media to stop labeling Asian Americans as overrepresented, overrepresented or privileged. Tell me about that. Yeah, that is another source of like uh, hate crime, you know, against Asian Americans because you know Asian Americans we never been uh, like in a position making the national policy, right? We never been uh, privileged. You know, the reason we have good performance in the education because we emphasize education, we're hardworking, right? So, but, you know, reckless politicians from the left, they label us as overrepresented. And in Department of Education in New York City, some politicians even label us as privileged. Mm. So this absolutely will lead to the hatred towards Asian America. It's totally baseless. It's you know, it's, it's irresponsible. I will tell you, this is a this is a really hasty generalization or overgeneralization. But when I think of Asian kids in school, I think they are smart, not because they're born smarter. The the culture, the family culture emphasizes hard work, emphasizes study. And so they perform well. And instead of, you know, uh, people saying that they're privileged, we should be saying, what are you guys doing and how are you doing it? Because, I mean, it's working for you. Exactly. You know, I you know, used to work at like a big corporation. We promote best practice. Unfortunately, in America right now, the liberals don't want to really help the other minority, like black and Hispanic, to really lift, lift them up, you know, help them improve the parenting, you know, promote the, this kind of pro-education culture. They just want to bring Asian Americans down. That is wrong. So... How are we doing on the progress in universities? Because it seems to be getting worse. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, it's good news and bad news. The bad news is radical left. They initiate a nationwide campaign to cancel the standard test. That is a sort of American meritocracy. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons they gave is there are too many patients in the college, right? That is the bad news. The good news is students for fair admission, their lawsuit already petitioned to the U.S. Supreme Court. Hopefully, if the U.S. Supreme Court takes this case, we may be able to stru- uh, strike down the systematic racism against Asian Americans, which is race-based affirmative action. They say that meritocracy, your belief in meritocracy, uh, is just you um, playing into the white supremacist view of work hard and you'll get somewhere and you're only playing the white supremacy game to get ahead which i think is a pretty racist thing to say on multiple levels 
but one of which would be they are saying then that meritocracy doesn't exist in in Asian culture at all. That doesn't seem correct. No, it's totally wrong. Actually, meritocracy stems from China. About a thousand years ago, China already implemented imperial like uh, testing system. All the officials need to pass test to become like a government official, all the applicants, right? That happened over a thousand, yeah, over a thousand years ago. Actually, worldwide, all the nation learn from that. And in China, we had the National College entrance exam. You know, I tell you one story. During Chinese Cultural Revolution, Mao Zedong, the dictator, he was to bring so-called equity to the workers, to soldiers, to peasants. He stopped the college entrance exam. You guess what? China's economy, technology, innovation, everything collapsed. So America should take a lesson, should not repeat that kind of mistake China had about like half a century ago. So tell me this. You know that story. I know that story. How, Yukon, how does this, how do the, do the people in Washington know? Because they must know that what they're doing is going to damage America and our position to a great extent. Or are they just dumb? Uh, I, I want to say, you know, some, you know, in particular in people in Washington and some local, uh, you know, local government, many of them are playing dirty identity politics. Why? Because many mayors in all inner city, liberal uh, mayors, they failed the black and Hispanic children miserably in under their watch, like New York City, right? Like uh, the Hispanic and black their English proficiency and the math proficiency is less than half of the white and the Asian, right? Mm-hmm. But if they failed miserably, you guess what? He wants to continue getting the votes. So they, uh, he tried to change the like, entrance exam for the mm-hmm. New York specialized high school. For the same reason, many politicians want to change, uh, impose risk fact in college admission. So they use Asian children, also many times white children, as a scapegoat for their policy failure to solve the issue in the black, too many black and Hispanic community. I thank you for um, standing up and being a voice in reason, especially in a time when nobody seems willing to. Yukon Zhao is uh, our guest, and you can follow him and find more information at AsianAmericanForEducation.org. That's AsianAmericanForEducation.org. Thank you so much, Yukon. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You bet. Bye-bye. Na, 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 na.